Welcome to Neighborly. Swimming lessons. House number 29, Little Street. Deep breath. If you squeeze yourself through the narrow gap in the hedge behind house number 29, and start walking, you'll find yourself, after a short stretch of time, on the banks of a river. It curves lazily through the trees, and if you follow it, you'll find its mouth will eventually open to reveal a wide and gravid lake, even lazier than the river that feeds it. The lake is translucent. It tells you it's not very deep, just right for a swim. But long plants stretched to the light, and the furthest leaves down that Henry could see looked far from new growth. His cousins were splashing nearby, scaring the fish, laughing and calling him to come in. But he just stared, stood so still that even in his wetsuit he could feel the chill of the air, enraptured at the depths. Henry! You alright? Henry blinked hard. The place where his cousins were playing was a concrete dock meant as a ramp for boats. Not only was it not that deep, it was shallower and deeper at different points. He could choose how far in he got. How much challenge he offered the depths. Try just dipping your toe in, his uncle advised, compromising. Not moments before, he had jeered that the others should just toss him in. Henry parted his lips, about to admit his fear, but just shook his head. Come on, Uncle Kevin urged again. Just wet your ankles, and I'll be happy. Henry hesitated. He took a step towards the water. Right then, his cousin Sarah thrashed and splashed, and it nearly hit him, sending him skittering from the shoreline and behind the tree where the towels were hanging. <sighs> like the Wicked Witch of the West, that one, Kevin laughed to the others. Most laughed with him, Henry noticed. They echoed a theatrical chorus of, I'm melting! It did feel like a taunt, putting his toe in. It felt like the lake was so deep that it demanded to be filled with more than just water. It seemed to him like it ached with hunger, like it yawned so wide and looked so inviting because it wanted him to dive in, to swim to the center and sink. He wandered from his place behind the tree. No one saw. They were having far too much fun. He walked until the shore turned from hard to grassy, till the muck made the water's edge much less defined. He crouched there and stared into the watery void in peace. A fish swam in the shallow. Henry's eyes caught onto it before he realized. He watched it as it weaved between the plant life. It startled as a ripple from the dock reached it, flipping its tail and darting away. As Henry watched where it went, he found another pair of eyes staring back up into his. At first, he thought it was his own reflection. But his own reflection was not muffled and bloated with rot. Then, he thought it might be the image of his own dead face, and he leaned in, curious. It blinked. 
He jumped back, letting out a yell that did not carry over to the commotion on the dock. He struggled to catch his breath. Once he was certain he was not being chased by the waterlogged zombie of a young boy, he peered over the shoreline again. The face he'd seen was nowhere to be found. When Uncle Kevin brought everyone back to house number 29, he promised Henry they'd go the next day, the day after, and the day after that if needs be. He told him he thought he saw Henry get a bit more comfortable with the idea of getting in the water, and suggested, almost to himself, that giving him his own time and space was the best method of convincing him to get into the lake. Henry tried and tried again to relay what he had seen in the depths, but each time he opened his mouth, nary a sound could break the surface. As he lay on a slowly deflating air mattress in his Uncle Kevin's living room, Henry couldn't shake the boy from his mind. The image of him percolated. The dread pooled inside him, and as he lay there, he felt as though there were a river connecting him to the lake, its currents pulling him, inescapably, to its center. The next day, the lot of them trekked back to the lakeside as promised. The others had no trouble getting back into the swing of their usual routine of conspicuously enjoying their time in the water. Henry looked doubtful. He scanned the surface for any waves that may have been caused by any body excepting those in attendance. There were none. Even after what felt, to Henry, like a whole entire hour, there was no evidence of anything sinister in that lake except the depth itself. When everyone was fully distracted, Henry set off walking along the shoreline once more. He intended to bring back some evidence to share what he had seen without the need for words, but as for what, he couldn't be sure. He walked for what felt, to Henry, like another whole entire hour before he stopped and sat on a bedraggled log near the water's edge to rest his little legs. Once again, he stared into the lake, as far into the depths as he could. But still, it shocked him when exactly what he was looking for appeared quite close. It was the boy, floating up out of the water to surface as though he were laying peacefully on a bed. His expression was placid and without tension. Henry stood up, peering down at him, open-mouthed. The boy's eyes slowly turned to look at him. There was a moment where even the water fell and the birds in the trees nearby held tight to their breath. Hello, said the boy. His voice was ungarbled and clear, not a voice you would expect would come from that throat. Hi, Henry choked out. The boy stared at him blankly for a few seconds. You can't swim, he observed. Henry sputtered, indignant. Well, neither can you. That's rude, sighed the dead boy. He twisted his body and turned to lay face down in the water. Henry thought he wouldn't be able to hear him anymore, but he could. The boy's words bubbled through the lake water like mumbling. I didn't know how to swim before, duh, but I do now. I've been here a while. I picked up some stuff. Good for you! Henry couldn't help but snap. He felt the icy touch of jealousy shoot through his veins. Uncle Kevin would probably think this boy was cool. This boy would be able to play with his cousins no problem. A gurgling noise bubbled from the water that sounded almost like a sigh, and Henry remembered that of course he wouldn't. He was a dead boy. The shape of the boy turned again, this time to submerge all of his body except his little upturned face. The first thing to remember is that calm bodies float. Panic 
is what drowns you. Henry almost laughed. How can I be calm if I'm afraid of how being afraid will drown me? The boy let his body float back up and kicked once, sending himself drifting parallel to the shore. Calm is not just a feeling. It's in your body. You can make your body do whatever you want, no matter what you're feeling. That sounds hard, Henry muttered. Maybe at first. But it's the part of swimming you can do without the water. Breathe. Put your toe in and breathe. Then your whole foot. And if you keep breathing and keep calm, and don't move your arms to hit about it nothing, then you don't even have to be far enough to need to float. You'd be learning how to swim without swimming. And I think it's useful for other things as well. Despite himself, Henry closed his eyes and took a deep breath. He forced himself to take in air slowly, and let it out slowly. He felt his muscles tense to bolt, relax. He still held fear for the boy in the water tightly in his heart. But his body felt as though all of that had been teased out, unspooled, dealt with. Still, he hesitated. Why do you want me to get in the water? I don't, said the dead boy. He spat a brief but continuous stream from his mouth like a fountain. I don't care either way, but you want to. No, I don't. You do. Oh, you're scared of it. You're petrified. But you also really, really want to get in. How do you know that? Because, he said, pushing the water with one arm to send himself spinning slowly. I was just like that too. And you drowned. Again. Rude. Irritation tugged at the dead boy's voice. Yes, I drowned. Which means I know what makes people drown, and I know it doesn't. Not drowning is actually easy. I deserve a prize for drowning, I think. Henry felt his cheeks flush. He was about to retort when he heard Uncle Kevin calling his name. There's one easy way not to drown, he shouted over his shoulder as he ran to his uncle. Don't get in the water! Back on his air mattress, though, Henry spent all night practicing his breathing. The next day, they were back on the lake. Uncle Kevin's friend went with them and brought his boat, to the delight of all but Henry. When Kevin eventually cajoled him on board, he spent the whole time peering over the edge as closely as he could while maintaining a safe, wobble-proof distance. He saw not a glimmer of fish scales nor of the dead boy. Henry set off on his walk immediately once safely ashore, not waiting for the cousins to lose him in their distraction. Uncle Kevin called after him, but he only waved back, which seemed to satisfy. He walked along the earthen shore until he was almost raiding through reeds, and crouched by the lakeside. Psst, he whispered to the water, remembering he had never asked for a name. Dead boy. Insensitive. The voice came from behind him, and he almost fell into the lake whirling around to see him. The dead boy was fully out of the water, and it seemed to disagree with him. Gravity pulled at his soaked and swollen flesh. I want to learn how to swim, Henry blurted. Okay. The dead boy looked him up and down. You'll have to get in the water for that, you know. Henry wanted to say that he hadn't thought it was possible for the dead boy to get out of the water, but he didn't want to offend him any more than he already had. He nodded. 
The boy pushed through the reeds past him and strode into the water until he was floating. He turned back to Henry. Your turn. Henry hesitated. His eyes wandered back to the center of the lake. How do I know that I'll be okay? He felt his body almost shake and took a slow breath to calm it. You don't, the dead boy said simply. You try it anyway. Henry opened his mouth. He arranged his thoughts, preparing to remind the boy what was at stake. But he closed it again. The drowned boy knew. He knew better than anyone. Henry took a step towards the water. He felt his shoulders tense up and breathed into them, relaxing them consciously. He took two more careful steps. His toe felt wet, and shortly after his entire foot was submerged up to his ankles. He stared down at his feet, now invisible to him. You'll want to come away from the muddy part, said the dead boy. Will I? Henry muttered. He took a moment to breathe. The next step he took brought him up to his knees, and the next to his waist. Can you feel the water lifting you up? asked the dead boy. He could, but only just. The water filled his wetsuit and chilled him, but warmed up after a moment. He waited until his teeth had stopped chattering before he took his next half-step into the water. Lay back, the dead boy instructed. Henry hesitated. If you're calm, the boy said slowly, repeating his sentiment from yesterday, you will float. Carefully, Henry leaned back. The boy swam to stand behind him. You will float, he repeated. Henry felt the chill of the water sticking his hair to his head. He found that, as he leaned further, the water was happy to hold him up, keep his head above water. It was a very interesting feeling. Henry closed his eyes and let his feet float up. Deep breath. Henry's eyes snapped open. Huh? He oriented himself right way up, but found his feet could no longer reach the ground. He pushed the water down and spun, realizing, as the chilling water spun freely around him, that he was somehow, suddenly, in the dead center of the lake. The long plants that trailed up to the light tickled his knees and he cried out in alarm, thrashing and splashing on the surface of the water. "'Henry!' bellowed a voice from the lakeside. He tried to turn but couldn't see, couldn't speak, couldn't breathe. But through the frantic, fuzzy chaos of his mind, the dead boy's voice echoed, "'Panic is what drowns you.'" It was impossible, but he made his arms relax. He let his body go still. Despite the burning in his lungs, he slowed, and he felt himself float just as Uncle Kevin reached him. Oh my god, Henry, are you all right? Henry nodded. Yeah, he choked out. Yeah. Kevin had swum out to him with a life preserver. He put it around him now. As the pair of them kicked back to shore, Henry could hear above the splashing the sound of Kevin cursing himself about how the devil Henry had managed to get so far out if he couldn't even swim. The next day, Uncle Kevin did not bring everyone to the lake. He changed the subject whenever it was brought up, and eventually, after protests and pleading from the cousins, he offered the excuse that he didn't want to send them home getting lake water all over their parents' car seats. In all the commotion, Henry slipped out. He pushed through the branches of the hedge and followed the river. 
its eddies curled and beckoned him. The wind that rustled through the trees sounded to Henry like siren song. The trees bent back and gave way to the swell of the lake, as they always did. Henry blinked. He couldn't quite believe what he was seeing. The dead boy was standing firm on the surface of the water, out in the center of the lake. Swollen though he was, out there he looked waifishly small. He stared at Henry impassively. Henry waved. The dead boy did not wave back. Henry thought he might have nodded, but even squinting hard at this distance, it was impossible to be sure. Henry nodded back all the same. They looked at each other for a while. Two boys, one dead and one living, who now both knew how to swim. Then, without warning, whatever it was that allowed the boy to stand gave way, and he slipped under the water and was gone forever. Neighborly is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Cherylike 4.0 International License. Today's House was written by Matthew O.K. Smith, with dialogue editing by Kit Robson, soundscaping by Matthew O.K. Smith, music by Alex Schwartz, and art by Cloudy Apple Art. The narrator is voiced by Matthew O.K. Smith. To find out more, visit neighborlypod.card.co or follow us on social media at neighborlypod. If you enjoyed listening today, information on how you can support us will be included in the episode description. Most of all, we would appreciate it if you told a friend, because they might tell a friend, and they might tell a friend, and who knows, eventually, God might finally listen to us. Today's special number is the square root of negative... Oh, get real. Thanks for listening. Come back soon. This is Stella Thomas. Hi, I'm Stella Thomas. Stella Thomas had been living in her little world for 27 years, and Stella did not know it yet, but that world was about to come crashing down all around her. Wait, what? Your world wasn't real. So Earth just doesn't exist? Lost and confused, Stella joined the crew of the Starship Raccoon, which left her even more lost and confused. Oh, a kitty! Oh, a bitch! Your cat talks. Your human talks. I'm a snail. Strong Branch Productions presents a sci-fi comedy that will leave you asking, Why? What does it all mean? I am a wealth of knowledge, you insolent little meat I will piss in every shoe you've ever owned. This crew is a nightmare I can never wake from. I'm freer than I've ever been. I take it all back. The Stench of Adventure Season 2, coming to a device near you in Spring 2022.